Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Hey there, it's Zach, and I'm here to tell you about the new podcast, Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver and iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio. Hosted by Eddie Altman and Tony Kiroga. Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, Car and Drivers panel of editors test drive and review today's hottest new rides with zero filter. Car and Drivers Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors. All the parts you need at the prices you want. Guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Visit ebaymotors.com for more. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Listen to Car and Drivers Into Cars, available wherever you get your podcasts. JLab Audio is personal tech designed for you that fits your life, looks cool, and offers surprisingly awesome value. Imagine the products and features you actually want and make sure the entire experience of owning them is a great one. A new legacy in sound, JLab's new luxury over-ear headphones, seamlessly blending innovation and lab-quality sound. Over here at Fake Doctors, real friends, we love our JLab Audio headphones. They feature over 70 hours of playtime, four different colorways to choose from, and three noise control modes. Use Real Friends for 25% off your order. Visit jlab.com to find your kind of tech. Dearest listener, allow me to unveil a delightful secret. Snag Tights Craft Clothing that embraces every body shape. In a bold endeavor to revolutionize the fashion realm, Snag has triumphed. Permit me to draw your attention to the ingenious Chub Rub Shorts, crafted with moisture-wicking yarn, promising to keep you at least one degree cooler and utterly free from the discomfort of chafing. Free shipping on select orders. Thus, the more you snag, the more you save. Do not delay dear listener experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today here's some stories about a show we made about a bunch of docs and nurses and a janitor who loved to hate i said here's a story Everybody, it's Zach here, Zach Braff, the co-host of Fake Doctors, Real Friends. Um, I'm sorry to report that we don't have a show for you this week, um, an original show that is. We had planned to have the uh, co-directors of Seaspiracy on, um, but then we realized it was Mother's Day. Uh, we recorded the show uh, Sunday afternoons because Donald and I are both working, and um, and Donald, being the good daddy that he is had to, um, you know, spend time with the family and honor his queen, the Casey Cobb, and watch the kids so Casey could have some mom time and all of that. So recording uh, an episode became a little difficult. Um, so Joelle has curated an amazing uh, best of sort of thing for this week. And um, we will be back next Tuesday with the original episode with the co-directors of the documentary Seaspiracy, which you should check out um, so you can be current with the conversation. 
Uh, it's a fascinating documentary, and um, it's become quite controversial. And uh, I'm anxious and excited to uh, to talk to the filmmakers about it because it really had an impact on me. And um, I just want to say thank you, since I have a moment with Donald not here. You know, I can say um, anything I want. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Donald. Casey, what are your thoughts on me? Zach, I love you. I don't know if I'm allowed to use the soundboard without Donald present, but we're going to find out, okay? Because he's probably... Daniel, what are your thoughts? You honor me. Okay, I know. Um, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank all of you for, uh, for your response to this podcast. We never could have imagined in a thousand years um, that people would like it so much. And I could never have fathomed how fun it would be. Um, I, I genuinely look forward to it every every Sunday and uh, made such wonderful new friends, particularly, uh, obviously, Daniel and, and Joelle, two people that weren't in my life and uh, two people Donald and I have both grown quite fond of and uh, extraordinary human beings. And just looking back and um, and sharing these stories with all of you and memories has been so special. Uh, I know I've said it before, but we never thought that so many people would be interested. So the fact that this has become quite a, a phenomenon across Earth um, is 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 mind blowing to us. But 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 please know from the bottom of our hearts that we really appreciate you and appreciate um, how special the show was to you and how much it, it meant to you, and also how many of you have been emailing us or or I should say. DMing us or Instagramming us, uh, how much you like the show because we have a we get a lot of joy uh, bringing it to you. To all the mothers out there, I know this is belated because it's Tuesday, but I'm recording this on Sunday. Happy Mother's Day! I know it is very hard to be a mom, and um, I was blessed with a wonderful mom, and um, she made such a difference in my life. A great mom can shape who that child is for the rest of their lives. And my mom certainly did. And I feel so blessed. And I know how hard it is for you moms out there. Um, so here's me tipping my hat to you. And um, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much. And lastly, thank you to all of you who checked out Percy vs. Goliath, um, the movie I made with Christopher Walken and Christina Ricci. I Again, we made that movie for very little money. It, it has... They haven't spent one cent on, on marketing because uh, they didn't really have one cent to spend. And... Uh, I, I'm just so surprised and honored. Uh, uh, there you go, Daniel. You honor me. Yeah, I. You guys honored me by by um, by collectively making it number two on iTunes. I mean, for for a while there, it was second to Nomadland, which is pretty crazy for a movie that um, has no ads, no billboards, no any no commercials, nothing. Um, I think it's a testament to uh, the job that. Uh, that Clark Johnson did. For those of you, a little trivia, the director is the director who directed the pilot of The Wire. Uh, that's how talented Mr. Mr. Clark Johnson is. Um, all right, I'm rambling. If you hadn't got a chance to check out Percy vs. Goliath, please do. And um, thank you, thank you, thank you. We are so grateful for you. Please be patient with us. Um, again, we, you guys, uh, and we all got used to us doing this during the pandemic, but now that we're both back to work, it is a little tricky to schedule with with our busy schedules. I'm doing Cheap by the Dozen and he's been doing Powerpuff Girls. And, um, But make no mistake, we love doing this and we're going to keep bringing it to you. And um, and that's it. 
Okay, Casey, do you have any last thoughts? Zach, I love you. I get it, girl, but calm down, okay? Donald's not here, and it's getting a little weird. What you trying to get into a day soon? What you trying to do? I could literally just sit here for an hour and a half and ramble like this, um, but you guys would probably get bored. Um, without further ado, here is Joelle. Thanks, Zach. Hi, everybody. Um, first, I want to apologize if you can hear birds or water dripping. My window is stuck, so this is the best I can do. But I'm so happy to be back with another clip show. Um, you guys sent in a lot of great suggestions on my Twitter page, and I really appreciate it. So we're going to do two clip shows this week. Our first one is celebrity guest stories about the industry. We've had so many great people come in and tell us all of these great behind the scenes how to's basically how to better audition how the pros do it how to make sure you're on set so that you don't actually get cut from an improv movie by oliver stone how to uplift your castmates by buying them a puppy and we're going to share all of those stories with you here today i wanted to start with one of our favorite guests one mr john c mcginley now Johnny C came back on in season two, and if you guys remember, we had a bit of a flub where we were supposed to have him on for 209, but he came on for 210, and it was Johnny C. When the man opens his mouth, greatness pours out. Not is he just a talented actor, a wonderful writer, he's also a great orator. And it begins with Zach asking, have you ever had a director really push you? All the way to Donald saying, have you ever been so late that you lost a day of shooting? And in between there, we get all these wonderful moments from Johnny C about being in a movie and a play at the same time. And whether you let your understudy go up or if that's bad luck. And then, of course, his wonderful advice about Platoon. So without further ado, here's Johnny C. Take it away. You know what I mean? Wait, I have a question for you guys as both a uh, actor and a director. I wish as an actor, I would have had more directors push me to be better. I oh God, feel like here. I feel like throughout my career, there've been a few, but mostly it's been about stand here. The camera's going to come here. Do you want to go again? Because maybe you should be a little angrier as opposed to like taking me in the corner and being Absolutely. like, here, I want to put a fucking thought in your head. And I wonder, Johnny, cause you're, you can be an intimidating fellow. I wonder, did Mangold, was he able to, to, to do that to you? Did he, I mean, Oliver Stone, you've worked with, I mean, you've worked with Fincher, you've worked with the legends of the world. Have these guys been able to, to do that to you? Have, have, have they done that to you? And well, of course, Oliver's, Donald, I want to know your answer too, but I, you know, we'll start with uh, Oliver's Oliver's school of directing uh, comes with consequences. And so if you, if you're doing something that's not, um, is it necessarily what Oliver had in mind? He'll yell from Video Village, which is a, an area away from the set where the director and the and the and the people who are producing the film are watching it. He'll yell from Video Village, McKinley, walk with me, and that just means uh, you're going to go for a walk, and <laughs> then he tells you that you're subverting my vision and you're fucking me. Really? And you're like, oh, oh God! He did it in the Philippines. He did it, it, it down in on Wall Street. He did it. He does it everywhere. You're fucking me. You're better when you. I always read actors for him. And he goes, you're better when you were reading the actors. But now you're fucking me. And you're like, oh my God. 
it's horrifying. How do you not the, get it? How do you then not spiral, Johnny? Because I feel like there's a fine line between taking you in the corner and, and being and being constructive and being like, you got this, man, but I want you to dig deep and do this and being like, you're fucking me. I can't imagine. I would be so spiraling in my head. I, I don't know. I guess it all started in the Philippines and I just wasn't going to, there was nowhere to go. We were 10,000 miles from home. And so I guess you got to rally. I don't fucking know. And the opposite did you, did of that Did you is, tell me this? Sorry, sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. The opposite of that is Catherine Bigelow on, on Point Break. You know, we did that opening Fucking great movie, Johnny. Great fucking minute. movie, Johnny. Remember when great it was the, fucking movie. Those, uh, one of those steady cams? They used to weigh about eight, 80 pounds, and all the big Aussie guys used to be the operators. And in the beginning of that film, there's about a five or six walk, minute walk and talk where Keanu and I are doing all the expository who, what, where, when, how for the whole movie. We're just, just spewing, spewing. I don't stop talking. And and we did it 36 times. I think she printed like four, 18 and, and 36. And of course, four was the one that was in the movie. And it's just a wonder. And it's just scrubs made it look second nature because we did those. But at the time when we were doing it, it was a big deal. And, you know, all the way through the bowels of the FBI with this, with this steady cam. and Catherine would just come over and, uh, She's the single most supportive person in the history of the planet. Mm -hmm. But the bottom line was we're going again. <laughs> like, she would never say anything to you. She would never say anything. Uh, no, she's just the greatest. She's like, you're, you're crushing this. You're crushing this. I'm like, well, and I always know when we have it. I what about, swear to God. What I about do. you, Donald? Like when you worked with like Boaz or, or did, 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 did they give you, did you ever get like tough direction, but also that like made you dig deeper? Um, yeah, you know, uh, Boaz was a, was very much a, we're going to rehearse uh, and we would we would rehearse and he wouldn't necessarily be there, but he would come and check it out. But he would be like, you guys go rehearse, you know, rehearse amongst yourselves and stuff. Uh, and then when we would do the scene, he'd be like, OK, yeah, that's great. Is there anything you want to add to it? Um, I'm trying to think of if there were I've had directors. I don't want to say their names. I've had directors be like, you know. Uh, you stumbled on that line. There goes your close up. I've had shit like that Ooh, happen before. Oh, yeah. fuck you! That's not going to help anybody. You know, uh, no, it doesn't. Uh, you and, have to find uh, a way to to to. I mean, my goal when I'm directing someone is all I want is for for you to be great. How can I support that? Uh, part of it for me is creating an environment on the set. You know, Scrubs is the ultimate example. We had an environment that was so safe to experiment and to yeah. and to and to fuck up and. It was you felt so safe. You felt the net under under the under the tightrope, if you will. Um, so I, when I'm making my products, I try and create that environment again, where where you're safe. Like there's no wrong answer. Let's play because I think that puts actors in in a good headspace. Um, but I'm also making things so fast. You know, I'm every the three films I've made, I have to go so fast. Yeah. But there isn't a whole lot of time to do like what Oliver Stone can do in the Philippines and be like, Johnny, let's walk. <laughs> if my walk producers, if I ever walk said to someone me. like, Natalie, let's walk, everyone would look at me like, what the fuck are you doing? We have a half hour left for the day. <laughs> that truly walk, is a luxury, man. It That's is a, luxury. a luxury. I hear stories about actors and directors going on like 45 minute walks while the crew waits, yeah. sometimes two hour walks while the crew waits. Yeah. And then they come back and the scene's different. And now we're going to relight it a different way. I've heard crazy ass stories about how. You know how uh, ego gets in the way of making movies and stuff like I that. I heard stories from um, that movie. Uh, what's the 
well, I, I should probably shouldn't call out what the movie is, but I heard stories of a movie star showing up. My friend was shooting the movie, and he said, you wouldn't believe what was going on. Like, the, the movie star would show up and be like, all right, well, we're obviously not saying any of this, so should we go talk about it? Oh. And it's like, what? <laughs> like, so they would then go on, like, long, uh, like, a, like, a, like a minivan ride and, like, rewrite the day's work. And that's how the day would start. I mean, that have, gives me anxiety even saying it out have, loud. Have you guys ever, like, this, it's happened once in my life. Zach, I know when it's happened with you. Johnny, have you ever been so late in any way that you've uh, caused a day? Well, not a day, but you caused uh, a morning, I should say. We had a scrap. The director, like, not a, like not, not I've been, a, I've been so, I've been. Chance. Johnny, not a fucking chance. We're not, we're not, Johnny's not late ever. Johnny's early. Johnny gets okay. there at five in the morning and then goes back to sleep. That, that would 100%. never happen, right? Never happened. That what happened to me. That happened to me once, Zach. I remember when it happened to you, but it happened. Well, mine to me. was an alarm clock malfunction. But go ahead. Bullshit. But anyway, well, um, well, I told the story in the podcast. Did I ever tell you the Henry Winkler story? No, please no. go on. Okay, so I was doing Clueless, the television show at the time, right? And Henry Winkler's directing the next day. It's Sunday night. He's directing on Monday. Um. And I'm geeked about it, but I also, I'm 20-something years old, and I live with a bunch of dudes, right? It's me, my buddies, it's me and literally three other dudes living in the house together. And on Sunday nights, I don't know where it was, I think freaking like uh, uh, Joseph's or, or, or some shit like that the was club. going off. You were at the the club. club was going off, right? Yeah. And so we went out, and I didn't get home until like 4 in the morning, smashed and hammered, and... Uh, Pass out. My call time's at 6 a.m. I'm doing Clueless at the time. I wake up, and it's 6.30. And I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, Henry God. Winkler's directing. So I throw on clothes, and I, you know, jet to work. I get there. I put on my costume is all in my, my trailer and everything. I throw on all my shit. And as I'm throwing it on, I can smell my breath, and I still smell the booze on my breath. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. This is going to be horrible. This is going to be horrible. So I run out of my trailer and I'm starting, I'm jetting to set. And as I come around the corner, we were filming on the Paramount lot. And so you have to pass through the big Paramount gates, right? So I come running through the gate uh, toward the set and Henry Winkler sees me, stands up. And it looked like he said to whoever the producer was or the writer was, he was like, that's him. Yeah, that's him. Okay. And he starts oh walking towards me. Oh, shit. And I'm like, oh God, oh shit. Holy shit. You fucking oh let down the Fonz, bro. That was the first thing I'm thinking. Now don't the fuck forget forget the cast and the crew and everything like that. Fucking Henry Winkler, the legend that he is, is right. about to fucking give me the business and I'm right. gonna and I'm gonna fucking eat it. Right? And so he comes up to me and I take a deep breath to not breathe out so he can't smell this booze on me. Like, <laughs> right? And he goes, Listen, we're not gonna do this. Okay? I don't wanna I don't want any shit from you. Okay, we're not gonna we're not gonna fucking do this. What we're gonna do is we're gonna go over there. And we're gonna do the scene. Okay, we're gonna go over there. We're gonna do the scene. And I could tell he wanted to freaking give me the business, but he was like, "I don't know you. I don't want to disrespect you." And I I could I, I I'm pretty sure you don't want to try and disrespect me or anything like that. But come over here and give me your best, right? And it was just it was just like when we did the dance scene on Scrubs, where I where I'm doing the um dance to poison yeah. and I hadn't rehearsed it or anything like that. And I just went in there and I did the dance right. because it, part of it was because I was afraid for my life that bill was going to be like, you know, uh, that's it. You're fired. So it was almost the same thing. Like 
I'm dancing on a table in the scene and I jump off the table into a split, right? <laughs> in rehearsal, I do the shit. Because I'm so look, I I the last thing I wanted was to let down, you know, the fonts. And then when I get over there and I see Stacy Dash and Elisa Donovan and my boy Sean Holland and the crew and all of these guys looking at me, uh, and and uh, you know, giving me the face like I can't believe you fucking let down the fonts. And it was like, all right, well, I'm gonna give you guys a show. And I did, and you know, my my, my ever, point is Did he ever take you aside and have a talk with you? That was a talk. It was a quick, it was one of those things where it was like, I, I'm going to come off like the boss right now. And the humbling thing is, is that I'm over here and I'm talking to you about this, but you know better than this. I shouldn't have to have this conversation with you ever. Mm. Uh, he, he didn't have to say to me, get your shit together. But it was all in the, I'm not having this conversation with you. You're way smarter than this. You know better than this bullshit. Let's get over here. Let's do the scene and let's make it right. Yeah. And I freaked And then he fucking quit. hit a jukebox. <laughs> <laughs> Donald, did you ever uh, almost forget your lines when you were doing that play you did recently? Yeah, you know, I had one thing where it was like a bunch of math and stuff like that. And the math didn't have to make sense, but it had to be quick. Uh and uh one night I did I I didn't forget the line. I misspoke and I said, "Oh, excuse me." In it and then I kept going and then after I went it kind of threw the rhythm off for the show for the whole night because I said one line, you know what I mean? Mm. And, it, and and it, it it really is a lesson that when you're doing a show, there's a rhythm to it all, you know what I mean? And if you stick to the rhythm every time, most likely you're going to get a great performance. If you find the 100%. right formula and you stick to the rhythm every time and you stick to the formula every time, it's going to be a good show, you know what mm. I mean? Yeah, yeah. And just by me saying, excuse me, it kind of fucked up the rhythm and cues all of a sudden were a little bit late. And you know what I mean? And it was my fault. You know what I mean? And it was just because I said, excuse me. I, I could always tell with, with, uh, when we were doing uh, Scrubs, and especially after about 12 episodes in, from 12 episodes on, I could always tell whether or not Billy, had, Billy Lawrence had done a pass on Cox because he, he had written and I had adopted this kind of <laughs> Martin Scorsese on heroin syncopation for Cox. And I also, sometimes when I was bored, I would start to play with the language a little bit, which was irresponsible, but I, I get bored sometimes. And uh, if Billy hadn't done a pass, I couldn't memorize the lines because they were written out of rhythm. And Donald, I'm just borrowing from what you said, mm. but Billy would do a pass on Cox. I'd be down in my rehearsal space killing myself trying to remember these disconnected fucking rants that somebody wrote. And then I, and I couldn't get them. And then Billy would do a pass and something as, as much as Donald, you even saying, excuse me, th that was out. And then boom, the flow and the rhythm. And I could come in and I can, I could do it in Latin, but I, right. until Billy did a pass, cause I'd get in there and I'd have the hissy fit and I'd say, has Billy done a fucking pass on this thing yet? And they're like, no, you hadn't seen it. I'm like, well, don't, don't fucking send it to me. <laughs> <laughs> Would that happen? You'd get sent it and memorize it, and then it would all be changed? You must have fucking gotten livid. Every Monday morning. <laughs> so I did mean, you talk I, to I Bill? Mean, you must have talked to Bill eventually and said, dude, you got to fuck. You can't do that to me. Of course I did. But Billy was spinning as many plates as he, you know, one character among an ensemble of badass seven or eight of you. and. You know, you 
you try to get Billy's attention and you can't, can't always do it. I would go so nuts. I mean, for those of you who don't memorize for a living, it's easier for some than others. But these chunks that Johnny had to memorize in a short span of time is, is really hard because he has to say them so fast as he did so well. But the idea of spending a weekend memorizing that and then getting Woo! to work and there's a rewrite. <laughs> that's it. Yeah. Dude, yeah that's why you must have loved stomach. it. Even saying that, I get a knot in my stomach. That's why you must have loved it when he had no when he had no choice but to go with what was written because we didn't have scripts. And so he'd be like, yo, look, here's here's what we're gonna say right now. And he would write it while we were doing rehearsals and shit. And then he would hand it to you and you'd be like, bet, no problem. Because he wrote it. It was in Cox's rhythm. Right. It was yeah. in that, that, whatever that syncopation Billy came up with, it was in that. And I could groove into it. But memorization is like a muscle, Johnny, I think. And you no really, question. And you really had yours developed well. I think, you know, yeah. when, I've, when I've just finished a play, like I did Romeo and Romeo and Juliet when I was fresh out of school and another one of my early roles. And I mean, basically, the second you start talking, you don't stop talking for two and a half hours. And I the, even th thinking about it now, I get anxious. Uh, this many years later, this was probably to, you know, 1998. But, um, but, but by the time the play was over, that muscle was so developed, I could just Absolutely. crush it. And I feel like as Cox, you had to do it so on the regular that you really just, you must have had it so dialed. Like now, now that might be harder for you because you're not memorizing monologues every week. 100%. A hundred percent. I was doing I, uh, when I was doing um, uh, bullets over Broadway. Um, we were in previews, and um, when, when you're in previews, that for those of you who aren't don't know that that means that the, the critics haven't come yet. You're still working out the play. You're still you know, the, the the writer and the director. They're changing things all the time. And then after opening night, then then the show is locked. So we're in previews, and, and Woody Allen, who wrote the play, is in the back of the the audience, and, and he's there. And he's when a joke doesn't work, he would he would give it come the next day and give us a new joke to try that night. But sometimes that was really hard because you had the whole play memorized and he would just hand you a slip oh, of paper God. and he'd be like, here, just, just try this tonight. And you're like, try it where? where? And you're like reading the paper and like scribbled the handwriting, like try this, where, where does it go? Like, and then he, and, and you'd figure it out. And then sometimes in the heat of the adrenaline of doing a show in front of 1500 people, you'd forget. And I, there was one time I skipped the new joke you wanted me to do. And uh, I saw him the next day and I said, Woody, I'm, I'm really sorry. I, I got a little frazzled and I, I didn't even try the new joke you wanted me to try. He goes, yeah, you, you probably get a bigger laugh if you actually say it on stage. <laughs> Johnny, will you tell that story um, that I love that you told me once about Platoon where you said um, – you were all hanging by the pool when you realized that you weren't going to be in the movie? So because the conditions in the Philippines were so tense and so fluid, uh, and we were in something called a triple, and they were fluid because there had just been a revolution. A guy named Ferdinand Marcos had lost an election to a woman named Cory Aquino, and Marcos wouldn't leave until President Reagan, the president at the time, gave him political asylum in Hawaii. So we should, that's why we were postponed. I left, I was doing um, Hamlet with Kevin Klein at the public and about a week into rehearsal, Oliver calls after the, I'd been cast in the film a year and a half earlier and then the money went away. 
And he called me, he goes, McKinley, do you want to play the fourth lead? I'm like, who the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> it's Oliver Stone. Do you want to go to the Philippines? And I'm like, I would love to go to the Philippines, but I'm doing, I'm playing third guy on the left in, in Hamlet with Kevin Klein over at the public. And he goes, tell, tell Joe Papp that, that, that it's me. I'm like, oh, sure. I'm going to go talk to Mr. Papp and call him Joe. You know, it was like the Wizard of fucking Oz. And right. so... Uh, Rosemary Tischler, who was the casting person over at the public at the time, and a friend of mine from NYU, she came in and taught an audition class to us, and she's one of the great, great women ever. And I, I called Rosemary, I went to see her, and I said, uh, I, I got offered this movie, it's in the Philippines, and it would mean, mean, would mean me leaving rehearsal, but and just like anybody in New York, it'd be like crossing Johnny Friendly and on the waterfront. Uh, if she said, if you go do this film, you'll never work here again, I would not have gone and done the film. Neither would a a any anybody in New York. Because once you get in that fraternity slash sorority yeah, it's very over at the Shakespeare Festival, that you stay. You keep doing plays. And yeah. Rosemary said, well, uh, you're fine with me, but you're going to have to go see Joe. And I'm like, everybody stop calling him Joe. <laughs> and so... I go in and he was, you know, he had a burner and he was this guy. He always, it was way in the back of his fucking throat. And so, you know, I'm, I'm knocking like I'm going to see the wizard and the wizard of Oz. And he goes, come in, Matt, come in. And so I go to see Mr. Pat and I told him my story. And he goes, go, we'll do Hamlet again when you get back. And I was just like, I'm fucking crying even right. thinking about this story. I'm so happy they didn't prevent you from going. That would have been horrible. And so I go back. I was living in the funeral parlor at the time, one the, the Nutri-only funeral parlor. And so I go up five stories, and I'm there. And a, a week or so after I, I removed myself from Hamlet, there's a fucking revolution in the Philippines because this guy, Marcos, won't leave. And so we get postponed for months and months and months. And the play opens, and you know, Vincent Canby calls it the most important Hamlet on these shores. Uh. <laughs> I'm sitting in the funeral parlor going like, Oh my oh God. 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 I hate my life. I hate my life. And finally, we, we get the green light to go because the revolution had, had subsided a, a little bit, but, but not that much. And so, uh, and in the meantime, this language had come out. A bunch of actors in New York, about five or six of them, circulated this language because we were going to go through this two and a half, three week boot camp that if you got hurt in boot camp, um, you'd, you'd get to do the film. And Oliver's like, no, if you get hurt in boot camp, you you get rotated out. You can't be a, a soldier oh, with a broken arm. No. And so I didn't sign it. And the five people who did uh, didn't go to the Philippines. And so I finally get there and only to come to find out that it's a very tricky place. We we're shooting in this triple canopy jungle, which meant there was vegetation at 10 feet, another vegetation at 20 feet and these monstrous trees at 50 feet. So it was very dark and, and swampy underneath these, these three canopies of, of flora. And we're shooting and there was no shot list because uh, Oliver had to change things every day and on the fly, which he did brilliantly. But the whole, there was three squads of eight. So there was 24 of us and every day everybody was called to the set. And sometimes you just sat there all day because you, you're not in the scene. You, you're not in the scene. And so it was about a two-hour bus ride out to the place, and then you'd sit, and you weren't in the scene, and it was two hours back. And so this happened for a couple of weeks. And so Forrest Whitaker and uh, Johnny Depp and I uh, asked Oliver that if we weren't in, going to be shooting that day, could we stay at the hotel? And he acquiesced. And so 
we're finally sitting by the pool and we got what we wanted. And Forrest, I don't do a good Forrest imitation, but Forrest comes over to Johnny and he goes, you, you ever get the feeling that while we're here, we're not in the movie? <laughs> we all started going back to the set every day. <laughs> and Oliver would put us, Oliver would put us on this mountain about a mile out of the frame. And we, and you weren't even a speck. And he, you'd be back there and we started calling it power background. And so guys were doing their best Brando a mile up a mountain. <laughs> and we called it power background. I just love it. All- I just, I just love that you guys were like, all right, fuck this. We're not going to sit in the jungle. We're going to go sit by the pool. And right. then, and then it's like you, you, Forrest Whitaker, and Johnny Depp sitting there on your lounge, on your lounge chairs with a with a with a cocktail. And then all of a sudden, someone has the realization, you know, he's probably just improv <laughs> imp- improvising this movie, and we're sitting here at the pool. He was <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and Forrest, Forrest said, "I wish I could do a Forrest imitation," but he was like, "If we're here, we ain't in the movie." <laughs> and he was right as rain. God, that Johnny C is a legend. Reboot your credit card with Apple Card, the only credit card designed for iPhone. It gives you up to 3% daily cash back on every purchase. Plus, Apple Card has no fees, not even hidden ones. Apply for Apple Card now in the Wallet app on iPhone. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch. Subject to credit approval. Variable APRs for Apple Card range from 19.24% to 29.49% based on credit worthiness. Rates as of February 1, 2024. Terms and more at AppleCard.com. Kind is calling all flavor chasers. Hey, it's Zach here, and Kind has six new flavors for whatever you crave. Is it something sweet? Try the new seeds, fruit and nuts bars with flavors like dark chocolate, raspberry, and pumpkin seed. They're made with sweet raspberries and cranberries. And the number one ingredient, seeds. And for something savory, Kind has you covered. Try their roasted nuts and jalapeno bars. Or grab the rosemary nuts and sea salt bars. Savory snacking has never been this delicious. I know your mouth is watering. I personally love the raspberry. Mmm, mmm, Donald. Let me tell you, I could eat 10 of those a day. Oh, really? Rosemary's mine. All six new bars are gluten-free and have at least five grams of protein. Kind always leads with nutrient-dense ingredients like nuts. Explore all the new flavors waiting for you, like strawberry sunflower seed, orange cranberry pumpkin seed, and paprika nuts and mesquite smoked sea salt. This is the bar for people who love real food. Try all the new flavors of Kind Seeds, Fruit and Nuts bars, and Kind Savory bars. Shop on Amazon today. This show sponsored by BetterHelp. Well, friends, the year 2024 has gone by so quickly. I can't believe it's almost summer. What's something that you're proud of accomplishing in 2024 so far? Do you have more that you'd like to accomplish before the year is over? When life goes so fast, it's important to take a moment to celebrate your wins and make adjustments for the rest of the year. Therapy can help you take stock of your progress and set achievable goals for the next six months. Therapy is the greatest tool to help you with relationships, serious issues that you've got to get off your chest, or just to help you stay on track for the goals you'd like to accomplish before the end of the year. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Take a moment. Visit BetterHelp.com slash RealFriends today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash RealFriends. 
Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes. Clothing that not only promises, but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select Orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. Speaking of legends, for very obvious reasons, Heather Graham was one of our most listened to guests. And it was such an honor to have her on the podcast. Yes, she's glowing. Yes, she's funny. But she's also very kind. And one of my favorite insights she left us with was the joy, despair, and encouragement that can happen when one is auditioning. Auditioning is one of the most difficult aspects of an actor's career. You get one chance to get it right. One chance to potentially change your life. And hearing the guys talk about how they used to daydream about what they do with their new casting money. And, you know, also the downfalls of walking out of a room when the actor killed it. It's a lot of fun. So without further ado, here's Heather Graham telling us some of her favorite audition stories. That's the thing. It's the hardest thing to be in a moment for these auditions. Like you, you get the audition and you're like, I'm so excited to audition for this. You look at the sides and then all of a sudden your head... Your mind wanders off into all the things that you're going to do after you get the part. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. After I get this part, I'm going to go on vacation. I'm going to – what I'm going to do with this money? I'm going I'm to get me – I'm going to get – shit, my girl going to get a – I'm going to get her a Rolex. You think about all of the things <laughs> you're going to do with this money and all of the fame that's going to come with this part before you even get it. And Maybe then you go on you the audition. It. it helps you get it. It never helps because you go on the audition and when you walk out, you're like, well – I guess I got to wait for the next audition to get that oh, role. No. You know what I mean? Like, it's the worst, man. I, like, I always do that. The one, the auditions that I do great on are the ones where I'm like, I don't give a fuck, man. I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to do whatever the fuck it is I do, and I'm going to leave. And I'm not yeah. going to talk. I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try and wow anybody with the freaking, what I've been doing in my off time. Fuck that shit. I'm going to go in there. And I'm going to fucking do the audition, and I'm going to leave. Yeah, and those Heather, are the ones where I usually get. Heather, do you still audition for things occasionally? Well, that's what I was wondering. You know, I feel like you know when we were auditioning for things, like I just feel like people don't audition in person anymore. Now I feel like everyone has to send a tape if you ever do. Yeah. Like, do you, do you guys ever audition in person anymore? Um, well, no, well, not during COVID, occasion- but-, but before COVID, occasionally, Heather, when it yeah, was like when yeah. it was like a super fancy director. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, the, by the way, the director wouldn't necessarily be there. It was like right. some mega A list director, but they're interested. <laughs> They want you to go in. And if it was someone yeah. I'm dying to work with, I, I would do it. Um, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Yeah, same. I, I, actually th- same. I actually think it's better though, Heather, because you have more. Really? It's a self-tape. Well, don't get me wrong. It's great to go in the room and, and meet the director and shoot the shit and, and see if you have a connection. 
Um, yeah. But I do think a self-tape you can at least shape and, and practice and, yeah, and only true. send the best one. Right. But I think some people might be surprised that, you know, no matter even when you've had success in this business, you still have to go out and campaign to get parts. Auditioning um, is terrifying. It really is. It's the hardest thing on the planet when it, it comes is. to yeah. That's the hardest thing in acting. Forget yeah, the part. Is. Forget doing the role. Forget all of the other stuff. Forget everything that comes after you get the part or before you get the part. The audition is – that's the toughest thing to do. You only it's get harder one than doing shot. the role, for than sure. doing the yeah. actual role. Yeah. You only get it's one harder. shot to nail it. Yeah. You get one shot. And if you're lucky, the director says, I like that. Let's try it again this way. And usually when that happens, that doesn't necessarily mean you got the role. That just means your uh, preparation wasn't what the director saw. You know what I mean? And so it's like it's – the, it's the hardest thing ever. And so to get roles and – I, I'm always I'm always so appreciative that an audition was all it t- was what it took for me to you know you liked what I did in the room you're gonna love what I do when I when when the camera's rolling then right. that's the case it does feel I'm like a, so there's no better. other way to really yeah. do it but 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 it does feel like a, a, not a great test for how well you're gonna be on set because you're coming in with all this adrenaline you're coming in with nerves you're doing it in front of however many random people and so it's not it's 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 a bit like an obstacle course. You know what I mean? Like you have to like yeah. do it now under pressure. Go. But yeah. God, there, God, there's such a high though when when you know you killed it and they know you killed it and there's like yeah, there's- it is amazing. It's crazy in the waiting room too though when you see other the other people that are, are auditioning. You know, and if they you that. know them or yeah, it's and very people weird. play mind games too. I remember back in the day, <laughs> like all these people would be like, I, I really was aware of the psychology of the waiting room. How people would try and distract you. How people would you know, start conversation with you. Like they knew you were going next. So they would like try and keep, take your mind off of learning the, or, you know, working on the lines. And no, I just remember this one kid uh, where we we I was up for this part and he came out of the, the room and he was swiping away his tears and he's like, break a leg guys. And, um, we all looked at each other, like flipping through the sides, like, where's the fucking crying scene? <laughs> <laughs> and this dude, I, I, I got to know him and he could just cry on cue. And so he would just put it into any audition to show off that he could like cry, even if the scene didn't call for it, because he thought it was like going to blow their minds. Yeah, and, uh, you know. and I remember I asked him once, I go, so you're just crying in like every audition? He's like, yeah, I tried to just to like show him what I can do. And. And I was like, wow, um, okay, well, what do you, how do you do that? He goes, I just think of anyone doing anything bad to animals. Aww. And I was like, okay. You know what? Okay, <laughs> waiting in the waiting room when you hear someone else killing is also sucks, right? When you're waiting and you can hear that person who's in there is like just killing and everyone loves them, that's also horrible. But don't you also remember those times when you're in there and you hear someone go and they're like, and they suck and you're like, yes, I'm better than that. <laughs> <Thank God. laughs> Next, we have Sarah Chalk. Now, Sarah Chalk is an icon, a legend. You know her. You love her. Perhaps, if not from Scrubs, you know, her incredible performance as the mom on Rick and Morty. Listen, getting to meet her has clearly been the highlight of being on this show because it's rare that the people you idolize are as kind and sweet and generous with their time as Miss Sarah Chalk is. So we so appreciate her. And when she came on in season three, I think this is her third visit to the podcast. So it's all to have by now. She'd figured out the technology. She'd finally gotten a soundproof boost. So her audio 
crisp and clear and we love her and she shared one of my favorite stories that's ever been shared on the podcast about a group of people who love you coming together to make sure you get a dog okay vital and if you know anything about me you know i similarly experienced the same thing zach wanted me to have a puppy and now i have lions what a gift uh so here's sarah chog talking about how she got her dog cowboy switches and her love of this cast enjoy this is the episode that Frick started. Yeah, two forty three. Everybody, um, uh, the very first Frick. Sarah, what's the genesis of Frick? I wish I remembered. I don't remember. You didn't I don't make know. it up. I, I don't remember. I don't know if it was me or Bill. And then it, it then it developed. It went to double Frick, and then Frick on a stick with a brick. <laughs> um, no, it was know, Frick not- double Frick Frick on a stick. Frick on a stick Frick with on a, a stick with a brick. <laughs> totally. Yeah, it became one of Sarah's catchphrases. She finally got her What You Talking About, Willis. And I got, she got it in frick. season three. Season f- yes. season three, she got her frick. I didn't get a boxster, but I got a frick. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot but less I expensive did. to give you a frick. I did get that pink cashmere juicy jogger set that I wore in that frick scene. I remember they let me take that home. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. girl. Do you get remember that. juicy, y'all? Do you remember, uh, remember juicy? Yes. Juicy that was, was a great. pink they cashmere juicy jogger too. set. I used I to have juicy, uh, juicy uh, cashmere. Yeah, <laughs> man, juicy with the jam. Everybody had, to, and it was sweatsuits. It was a bunch of sweatsuits, and everybody was paying like two hundred, three hundred dollars for a sweatsuit. Yeah, juicy. They figured it out, juicy. Um, so you know, frick comes from you can't you know on, on TV shows and network, you're always trying to work around places where you'd actually curse. Some shows like do it and beep it. Uh, which, which I guess is easier if you're more documentary style, like like The Office or or Modern Family or something. Um, some shows, uh, uh, The Good Place, very creatively um, made it fork because they were in like this supposedly in this like heaven type setting where where it just automatically changes all your curses to to better words. But uh, so so Frick allowed Sarah to say fuck without saying fuck. There's one more. There's one more place that they changed the word, and so you wouldn't say fuck. And that was Battlestar Galactica, and they said frack, mm-hmm. and that became. Are you fracking? Kidding me? Are you fracking? Kidding me right now? But did they never explained it, or they just just did it? They just did it for the whole the whole run of the show. It would be like, what the frack are you talking about? Uh, oh, frack! I'm gonna frack you up. You can say friggin', um, which I always thought was, mm-hmm. a, was which was a comfortable alternative. Yeah, but it some people have, don't like friggin'. It doesn't have the power that fuck has or frick, frick mm-hmm. or frick has. Yeah, you need the K. Or, you need the K. Yeah. Frick. Yeah. You know that um, to make a movie PG thirteen, uh, you, you're allowed one fuck in a PG thirteen movie, and it can't be a sexual fuck. You can't be like, "Oh, I want to fuck her," but you can be like, "What the fuck?" Oh, I didn't know that. A little trivia for you. So you have to pick your fuck. If you're if you're directing a PG thirteen movie, they're like, all right, pick your fuck. What do you want? And then next rating, you can do R. You can say whatever you want. Say whatever you want. want. Yeah. Okay. Also, there's some. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm trying to think of the other. uh, Oh, uh, PG thirteen rules. They've probably changed. It used to be like um, obviously sex, um, but there were some other other ones. I forgot drug use. Maybe I don't know. All right. Go ahead, Donald. Uh, Kelso's nose squeaks the entire Wait, episode. Before we get to Kelso's nose, what about Sarah losing her car door? I mean, that was hilarious. Well, that was hilarious. Right, the first- <laughs> <laughs> and then carrying it around the hospital with me so it doesn't get right. stolen. Now, this is something that this is something that goes on. This joke uh, continues through other episodes. 
because you you later on have like a taxi cab door, like a yellow yeah. door a yellow on your door. car and everything like that. So yes, this is a joke right. that continues with your brand new car. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I think that's right. Yeah, she did, she didn't get the matching colored door. She just got uh, it was the same door, door for her car, but it was yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, yeah, so that I thought that was very funny. Um, and then, yeah, so sorry, Donald. Go to go to Kelso's squeaky nose, which is yeah, very funny for the whole episode. Uh, Kelso has a squeaking nose because of the punch he received from Doctor Cox, and. That shit is a lot. Yo, every time Ken would uh, inhale, it, it would squeak. It's only yeah. on the inhale, though. It's not on the exhale. It's only on the inhale. <laughs> so every time he inhale, it would be a... <laughs> I love how people hate him so much that even though the room was packed, he's like, miraculously, no one was saw right. it. <laughs> no one saw and me. And then Sammy. <laughs> Sammy in the background going like... So what, Sam's what celebrating. Fist bumping. Um, so now, my dive under the gurney. I replayed it a few times because I thought it was a cowboy switch. Same. I, I, I couldn't figure out if it was or not. I, I watched it for the sure same reason. I was like, was that a cowboy switch? switch? I feel like it was. I feel like you came running up in the hallway and like from the back. Then it was cowboy switch and then you popped up. I know, right? but it was so seamless. It was that, so good. That, that, so for those of you who don't remember, a cowboy switch is when the actor who's not a stuntman is hiding – and the stuntman does something insane and then kind of goes off camera and then the real actor pops up. So JD does this insane sort of slide under a gurney and then I pop up. I'm pretty I'm like I'm I'm pretty sure it's a cowboy switch, but man, it is seamless. You cannot tell. It's so like the timing of me coming yeah. up was so it's perfect. Crazy. It's over and you I mean you did always for the most part try your own falls always. So it's very possible. I did I, mean, I did I did a lot of them, but when when it when when you know, the thing about a stuntman is there is – when there's a real chance like, okay, you could get hurt doing this one. Like like yeah. when I exit the room, that's clearly a stuntman. <laughs> that's not he, you, yeah. He takes a really hard fall on the gurney tipping over. So you don't want your actors breaking anything because then you can't fucking make the show. So a lot of these actors uh, – also stunt people often don't get paid. Well, they get like one rate to show up. But then often they won't get more money unless they do the thing. So sometimes I feel for stunt people who right. are like, oh, come on. I, you, I know you want to show off and do it yourself, but let me fucking do the stunt. And, uh, and, right. and so I, I often tried to do them, but, but, but some of them where I could like break a hand, they were like, no, you're not doing that. I would still even not do my own stunts come once a season to scrubs on crutches with having torn the ligaments in my left ankle. I think it was about once a year. And I'd be like, Randall. I'm so sorry. <laughs> oh, so they God. would like they would have me like standing behind the beside the bed and standing in a lot of scenes and not walking Wait, for like many, a week. How many, how many times did you get injured making this show? I feel like it was it was always my ankle and it was never doing anything fabulous. I would come to set and people like, "How'd you do?" And I'd be like, "I was walking Lola and I tripped on a pine cone on the sidewalk." And then it was yeah, it was it, it was basically the first time I did it. I was in college and my leg was crossed and my foot fell asleep. And I was in like a 500-person lecture hall, and I got up to ask the professor a question, and I went down on – like I went over my ankle. I rolled my ankle, and it swelled up to the size of a grapefruit, and they x-rayed it, and I was 19 years old, and I had a, a growth plate that hadn't closed because I hadn't finished growing, but they thought it was a hairline fracture. So they, by mistake, put me into a plaster cast up to my knee, wow. and I went to go film an episode of The Roseanne Show, and she was like – Roseanne was like, it doesn't make sense you would have that – get that taken off, and so <laughs> I did, even though, like, that's like a kid who has, like, you know, a 
potentially broken foot. So Roseanne was like, I don't oh give a God. fuck what's wrong. Take that cast off. So, right. so they asked me to take the cast off, so I did. And the doctor down there was like, you're... It's actually a blessing in disguise because this is like a growth plate that hasn't closed. It's not a hairline fracture. Your foot's not broken. You just sprained it really badly, and that's why it swelled up so much. So Razan's um, coldness actually helped you. <laughs> it was it was such a it was a gift, man. It's all for you, <laughs> Sarah. Tell everyone who's listening about your seven thousand dollar dog. And before you judge everyone, no, she didn't go buy some boutique, fancy, expensive. Dog. That was that was a big evening for us too. What what was the evening? What were we doing? Where were it we? It was a charity. Sarah, do you remember what the cause was? It was the help group. It was for autism with children with autism, and it was um, Jeff Zucker, who was the boss at NBC. Who you at remember the time. that Donald uh, infamously gave the noogie to yes. at our first party? Please, Donald, no. Please, Donald, no. Uh, so we were there, and we were excited. I think it was like season two, um, and. Season one or season two. And so we went and Jeff Zucker was our boss and the night was to honor him and his contribution to the help group as well. And so there was this little chocolate lab that they were having as part of the auction to raise money. And I— Wait, let me just pause there. Let me just pause there. Uh, Did they have one dog or several? It was just one. All right. So I I recall it was an auction, obviously, to raise money for for autism. And they geniusly brought in this puppy that was the cutest chocolate lab puppy you've ever seen. It was like— Tiny. You, you, you could fit in your palm of your hands. And, and it was probably, I don't know, I'm guessing 10 weeks old. And the idea was, you know, we're going to, they wanted every, and then they got everyone like buzzed on alcohol. And then the idea is like, all right, you're, who's, you guys are going to bid on who gets to take home this dog. And they brought, they brought her around, like you're saying, to, like to get everybody super excited. They brought her around and I was holding her, this little chocolate brown nugget she was yeah she was like tiny she's 10 weeks old and i was wearing a chocolate brown dress i remember it was my it was my bridesmaid's dress from my sister's <laughs> wedding and um and uh so i I'm, I'm falling in love with this dog and then the bidding starts in the room and i'm bidding on her and and the whole i fall in love with her so is the restroom everyone's going crazy everyone's bidding on her and so finally i just gave up because it was it was insane it got uh, too high and then the whole cast around the table you guys all whispered to each other and then when the bidding came to right before the ending you all like stood up and put your arms up and and got her for me and and um we all split the we each, we each gave a thousand dollars. Wait, hold on. Uh, how long? How long did it take for me to pay you the thousand dollars? Did you That's ever pay question. her? I did pay her. Okay. How long did I, it take? I, I don't remember. I don't remember. But it just was the most sweetest, thoughtful, touching thing ever. And she obviously like became our scrubs mascot and came to scrubs to work every day. And I loved her so much. She was very. I sweet. think I paid for Lola like season. Eight or nine. <laughs> I, I finally whenever, gave the money in. Like, I just remember <laughs> whenever we had group things to chip in on, like crew gifts or 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 getting a, getting something for the crew, or in this case, giving money to charity for Sarah's dog. Johnny C would pay you like an hour later. He'd be like, "Fast money makes fast friends." Hmm. <laughs> that was one of his Johnny oh Cisms. Be like, "Fast money makes fast friends." And then Ken Donald Jenkins, was the polar thing. opposite. Donald would be like, eight years later, he'd be like, "Yo, did I ever pay you for the dog?" <laughs> <laughs> and then I remember I was the one who I was so disorganized. I just would never cash the check, and Ken would be like, "Sarah, you haven't cashed the oh, check yet." I'm God, like, I hate I hate those people. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, that was me. Um, so Lola, when you went into Sarah's dressing room, I know we brought this up uh, another time, but it was like the it was like if you ever seen the show Hoarders, it was like that, but worse. 
It was like it was sort of as believe. if this there was like a soup there was like an open soup can from two seasons ago and like <laughs> like just it, it looked like shit suddenly exploded. <laughs> it kind of is like as if then this paper is if this pages of notes was my dressing room. Right. As if if this kind of like rain on notes. So poor um, Ken Jenkins so, is trying to manage his checkbook, and Sarah just throws a check for $1,000 in there somewhere. This <laughs> can of soup from two seasons ago is true. My nickname was Soup for Breakfast because I would always have soup all the time, and you guys would be like, oh, it's soup for breakfast. Mm. Um, soup for breakfast, Sarah Chuck? I love I love soups. I mean, I have my hot tea right now. There's always something hot in my hands. It's like either soup or tea or something. Yeah, but that's because you um, run cold. That's, only, that's the only I run cold. Yeah. Run, a bad circulation. Cold. Um, this so is Lola the first. Till she was fourteen. Oh, she died. Lola died. She did. Well, dude, she, she lived met, till she, she was 14. fourteen years old. That's pretty darn good for a lab. It was. It's yeah, been over fourteen years, I guess. Oh, holy shit! Wow. It's it's wow. been it's been twenty one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind is calling all flavor chasers. Hey, it's Zach here, and Kind has six new flavors for whatever you crave. Is it something sweet? Try the new seeds, fruit, and nuts bars with flavors like dark chocolate, raspberry, and pumpkin seed. They're made with sweet raspberries and cranberries. And the number one ingredient, seeds. And for something savory, Kind has you covered. Try their roasted nuts and jalapeno bars. Or grab the rosemary nuts and sea salt bars. Savory snacking has never been this delicious. I know your mouth is watering. I personally love the raspberry. Mmm, Donald, let me tell you, I could eat 10 of those a day. Oh, really? Rosemary's mine. All six new bars are gluten-free and have at least five grams of protein. Kind always leads with nutrient-dense ingredients like nuts. Explore all the new flavors waiting for you, like strawberry sunflower seed, orange cranberry pumpkin seed, and paprika nuts and mesquite smoked sea salt. This is the bar for people who love real food. Try all the new flavors of Kind Seeds, Fruit and Nuts Bars, and Kind Savory Bars. Shop on Amazon today. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. JLab Audio is personal tech designed for you that fits your life, looks cool, and offers surprisingly awesome value. Imagine the products and features you actually want and make sure the entire experience owning them is a great one. Always packing the most functionality and fun into every product at a truly accessible price. Zach, mm. let me tell you, JLab has these new luxury over-ear headphones called the J Buds Lux ANC. 
Yep. These seamlessly blend innovation and lab quality sound, all in these sleek headphones that guarantee an elevated listening experience. You can connect to multiple devices, customize your sound in the JLab app, and get over 70 hours of playtime. Well, buddy, those sound pretty cool, but have you heard of the JBuds ANC3? They are the smallest smart active noise canceling true wireless earbuds you can find. You can also connect to multiple devices, but these come with a built in USB C charging cable and a noise canceling microphone for crisp, clear phone calls. Use Real Friends for 25% off your order. Visit jlab.com to find your kind of tech. Hey there, it's Zach Braff here. I'm here to tell you about a new podcast, Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver and iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio. Hosted by Eddie Alterman and Tony Quiroga, Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, Car and Drivers panel of editors and car experts test drive and review today's most compelling new rides. And the best part, you'll find no filter on Eddie and Tony. They review cars with the same blend of intelligence, independence, and irreverence that has made Car and Driver a trusted source for news and reviews since 1955. Car and Driver's Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors. All the parts you need at the prices you want. Guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Visit ebaymotors.com for more. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So jump in, buckle up, and listen to Car and Drivers Into Cars, available wherever you get your podcasts. Sarah Chalk, everybody. The greatest. Uh, Next, we have one of the most surprising, one of the most talked about, one of the most filled with nuggets of wisdom and knowledge interviews. I don't want to be too bold and say maybe ever, but certainly here on Fake Doctors, Fake Real Friends. I know the show name of this podcast. <laughs> it's early. Um, we had Richard Kind on the show, guys. And he blew us away with his passion for the audition process, with his love for Michael J. Fox and all that that man has brought to the world of entertainment. And just with his ability to be so damn funny right off the cuff. So bless you, Richard, for coming on the show. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your wisdom. Let's take another listen to one of my favorite interviews. Here's Richard Kind. Okay. What I wanted to say, I mean, you talked about, uh, uh, do I get excited about a script or or excited about a part? Yes, I do. I certainly do. Or you pray that you have an opportunity to play that part. I'm going to say something that that might be interesting to you guys or to the I'm one of the idiots that likes auditioning. Really? Why? What? There's a couple of reasons. Number one, as an actor, I like to play all different kinds of roles. I may not be, I may not be hired, but for 10 minutes, I got to play that role. Hmm. And I can't do it alone in the bathroom. I'm not going to invite friends over and go, hey, listen to me do this. Listen to me do Willie Loman. Because, yeah. uh, you know, just here, here, I'll give you a sandwich. And uh, let <laughs> Although me I would come to see you do Willie Loman in your living room. <laughs> I, I, I would love, someday I'd love to do it. But, but, but the thing is, you need, uh, an actor needs an audience. And even if it's a kid with a camera, you're still performing. So I happen to appreciate it. Uh, the other thing is, is... Um, I like being nervous. I like the jitters of like an opening night. 
Mm. That's fun for me. Mm. Uh, I know I'm not going to die. I know that my life is not on the line. I know nothing's going to happen to my kids, but I get nervous. Like being on a roller coaster can be fun. And so you're going in front of important people. You may get a job. This could be the job that makes you uh, uh, a huge amount of money, brings you fame, and you might be uh, Matt Perry in in Friends. You don't know. Uh, So who knows what this audition is going to bring? Or that the person that you're auditioning for may become a good friend. Whatever it is, but you're Mm. nervous. Mm. Things are on the line. Yeah. It's a good way to live. I, I I never heard it put that, like I've, that. I, but I but, but, but I've makes, heard the nervous. I heard the nervous part put like that. I've never heard the actors need to perform. Look at it as a room to perform. I do. Oh, it's an opportunity. That's such an amazing. It's a, and, that's that's such a golf gonna, analogy gonna, too. That's out. such a golf analogy, dude. But, it's an opportunity. On. Here's here's another crazy thing that if I'm teaching, uh, which I don't do a lot of, but I, I have. When you go in for an audition, you are going. Oh, dear God, let me get this role. Please let me be good. Please let me be great. I don't go in that way. I go in and I see six people who all want to make Larry David money. They all want the success of Seinfeld. They all want the success of Curb Your Enthusiasm. That's what they want. They want money. They want success. They don't care whether I get the role. They want money. And I go in saying, if, and you have to believe this. You have to believe you're the right actor for the role. But if I if I believe that, which a lot of times I do, I can do this. I go in with the mindset of, guys, I'm going to help you make a lot of money. <laughs> That's true. You better, if when you cast me, you better cast around me as good as me because I'll help you make money. I'm going to help make this thing great. Wow. Don't worry. I got your back. It's a but pep most, talk. But, but most people go in going, oh, I got to get this. Oh, I yeah, got to yeah. get this rolling. If you go in with the, with the feeling of I'm going to help you yeah. make the success, that takes all the pressure off of you. Yeah, Richard, I love that. And I, I have to say from when I'm directing, I, I learned a lot about auditioning when I was directing because – you sit. You think that being on the other side of the table is fun. It's fun for about thirty-five minutes, and right. then it's really grueling and stressful because all you're thinking is, "Fuck, we're not going to find this guy or this gal." So what I always say to actors is, "You, you need to." I mean, yours is brilliant, and I'm going to steal it. But I also say, "They're. You don't know this. They're rooting for you. They want. They're dying for you to be good. If you're great, they're done. It's great." If you're great, they're going to make money if you're good. And all you want to do is be good for yourself. Yes, they're they're saying, dear God, give me somebody who's good. I agree with you. Now I'm going to bring up something that you're going to hate, but you know that I'm going to bring it up. Go. When you were doing uh, Going My Way. Going in style. Going in style. I auditioned for The Banker at the beginning. And I did not have, and I only went on tape, and I did not have, I remember not being, not feeling good about it. Mm-hmm. I remember it. And I, of course you care whether or not you get a I part. think I requested you come in for it. Okay, could be. What I wanted to do was not get the role. I wanted to do, I wanted to impress Zach. Oh my God, my heart. That's what I wanted to do. Now, the guy you hired happened to be a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. And he's great. Yeah. He's wonderful. 
Uh, and I, do, do, you, do you mind not getting a role? Yeah, it happens. Uh, but that, that was my mindset. And it could have gotten in my way. Of doing a good job. Well, I got to say that what, what, what I think, as I recall, I asked you to come in because I literally, uh, uh, when I when I'm casting something, I all and, and it's a particularly a funny part. I'm like, well, who are the funny people that I like working with? I agree. And, I agree. And, and you're at the top of that list. Um, and uh, but yeah, I I I I I I really like. And I'm sure there's a lot of actors uh, uh, listening who 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 this is this is really useful advice. The audition process we've all been groomed our whole lives to be like, and we do it. Oh shit, I'm nervous. Oh shit, come on, please, come on, God, come on, universe, give this to me. But it really comes down to not walking in that room terrified, walking in that room with your shoulders back, going, guys, let me let me help you. I'm here. Yeah, to do this let together. me help you. <laughs> but not necessarily saying that you can't say that. No, it's no, your performance. It's, it's, Let's just be clear. No, it's through the performance. Oh, no, 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 yes, no, yes. No, actors, please don't, don't walk in the room and say you're lucky. I'm here. Right. You, you don't say it out loud. You go. You don't say, "Hey, fuckers, you better cast as well as me." This is a good segue into. Can like you tell us thinking. about uh, spin, your audition for Spin City and 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 Bill and how all that went? I got a great story. This oh, is okay. this will take about five minutes. Great story. You can you can take an hour. Go ahead. Well, he has um, a tea time. He's got a tea time, but take, do, take five minutes. Take time. Yes, but we're talking about me, so I guess I have a lot of <laughs> I'll only I'll only play eight holes. <laughs> yeah, if I can keep talking about me and you can tell me how good I am, I can stick around. Richard, Richard, uh, Richard only has a tea time if we talk about things unrelated to him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, Gary David Goldberg had a show called Champs. It was about, it was sort of like that championship season. It was, the, it was sort of based on his life. It was one coach and five guys who were best friends, of which Gary does have that life. He, he had his best friends who were a basketball team from when he was in, in high school. So he made a, 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 a sitcom about that called Champs, and I wanted to read for him. And Gary said, he's not right. He goes, I know Richard Kind. I know him from Mad About he's not, he's not right for it. And I'm going, I, I, I just let me read. He would not see me. That show went the way of most shows, like one season. Then he had Spin City. And he didn't want to see me. And we called the casting director, and the casting director spoke to Bill Lawrence, and Bill wanted to see me. And I said, let me go in and see the casting director first so that I can practice and see it because Gary doesn't want to see me. And Gary says, oh, I know, I know Richard Kind from Mad About You. And he's great. He's great. He's not right for the role. Gary didn't want to see me. Bill did. I had a handle on this part. The only thing that would have uh, not gotten it for me is because I was too tall for Michael J. Fox or I might have been too uh, Jewish ethnic New York City for whatever, but otherwise, if they called me back, the role is mine. So I wanted to go into the uh, casting director, and then I went into uh, the uh, in, to, to read for Bill and for Gary. And indeed, I was called back, and I literally said to myself, "If they called me back, this role is mine." Okay, I'm, I have to go in to meet with Michael. Cut. Back years before, when I was at Second City, 
Michael J. Fox came to uh, to Second City. He was doing the movie Satisfaction. Let me just pause for Chicago. those that don't for those that don't know. Second City is an improv uh, group. Go ahead. Right, and uh, uh, and I was part of the company. And uh, and whenever somebody famous was in the audience, we would invite them to improvise with us, which we did with Michael. So Michael and Robin Duke are doing a a scene. There was obviously he was the son, she was the mother. It's obvious if I open the door and I say, "Honey, I'm home." I'm the father and I belong there. I So I come into the scene with, uh, honey, I'm home. And Michael bounded one, two, three, and jumped into my <laughs> arm like this. I mean, off the floor and into my arms. Now, a couple of things. I'm strong, but I'm not that strong. <laughs> But Michael J. Fox is so light that anybody's strong to lift him. And he clomped onto me like David Letterman did with Velcro. The Velcro. You remember when he did that? Yeah. When he clamped yeah. it with two. And Michael did that and he hung on like that. When I tell you, and you've got to understand how long time is. There was a 45-second laugh. <laughs> it's, and and it, it wasn't that it was that. It was Michael was so athletic and agile and knew the laugh, and he just hung on, and I walked around with him. I'm telling you, like a monkey, like a monkey. Was, yeah, it, they were dying. It is a laugh I will always remember. It in my head, it's like a movie. I can see what it looks like. Right. Memorable. Before I went into the audition, cut to today. Okay, to, to the audition for Spin City, and sometimes I don't have a therapist anymore. But at the time, I had a therapist, and it was a good luck thing that I go and see my therapist sometime before I had the audition. And it would loosen me up. It would make me feel alive or whatever. So I go in and I say, I tell him the story and I say, should I bring it up? And my therapist goes, absolutely. If it was that memorable, absolutely bring it up. I go in, I meet Michael and I say, I've got to tell you, you may not, we've met before. (laughs) I was on stage at Second City and we did this. And this is what Michael said. And he's given me permission to, to tell the story. He goes, I'm sorry. I, I don't remember it because I was so drunk and high during that point in my life. I don't even remember doing satisfaction. Wow. Oh, my God. He did not remember being at Second City. He didn't remember being in Chicago. He had no memory of really doing the movie. Isn't that amazing? Oh my god! Oh my. I know. Isn't that isn't that something? That's one yeah. of the biggest. Mo- it's crazy that one of the biggest moments in your life, one of the moments that yes, set it one off, of the biggest, a memorable laugh. Yeah, he has no conception. no clue, wow. no clue. He has no memory however, of leaping onto leaping onto one of the improv comedians. Uh, he has no memory of leaping on right. and holding on for forty. Leaping seconds. on. However, this is something I then remember about the audition. This is something I clearly remember is I had a, they wrote a Bill Lawrence, as you know, as everybody who's listening, Bill Lawrence is a fucking genius. Yeah, he is. He works very hard at being a genius. And sometimes he works to the last minute at being a genius. But nonetheless, he is a genius 
at what he has chosen to do. Yeah. Yes. He's, he makes things accessible, funny, weird. And, and, and let me get to, to, to that a little later. But I remember doing the scene and he wrote such a brilliant, funny line because he was a great writer. Um, um, Gary was a great showrunner, not necessarily. He was a great captain. He was not necessarily as great a writer as some of the product that he put out. But when you have a, a genius like, like Bill Lawrence, uh, you, you can get it. And Gary was able to, to teach things to Bill and generate things that Bill not only learned, but cultivated and made blossom even more. But the, the, I had one hilariously funny line that I read and Michael J. Fox took, I, I, I wonder if I can do it. I don't think I'm that late anymore and this chair's gonna, gonna roll. He jumped in the air like this and just landed he jumped in the air with laughter <laughs> and landed on, leg on the chair. He laughed that hard at my delivery. Wow. And I have to admit, I walked out of there going, the part is mine. Yeah. Right. The part yeah, is mine. You knew it's, right there. It's, it's mine. We, and, uh, we, 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 Donald and I have spoken about his timing, uh, Michael J. Fox. I mean, I, I, I grew up watching Family Ties and I didn't know how to analyze comedy or, 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 or anything about it at a young age, but I just knew that he was doing something unique with his timing that was so special. And Bill has said to us that no one, no one could hold the, the pause and wait for the laugh better than, than Mike Fox. He, he just knew. It's like you watch those teenage girls playing double Dutch and how they know just when to go in. Like Michael J. Fox was just so skilled at just the right amount of pause, right? He was. I'm going to tell you, I'll tell you two things. Number one, uh, I heard... Carl Reiner interviewed by Bob Costas and Carl Reiner said sitcoms were written by Jews to be acted by non-Jews. Mm -hmm. And Michael J. Fox has the rhythm of a Borscht Belt comedian. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm I'm Jewish guy. Like Michael J. Fox. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. That is, That's great. That is That's great, great, great talent. Yeah. He, he, he has that rhythm. And now I'm going to tell you something else. This is sour grapes a little bit. Michael could hold for, the, for that. He could take a line and make it three lines. Yeah. And the camera would always be on him because he's Michael J. Fox and he's the star of the show. If we tried to do it, Gary would edit it and it would all be compressed. Right, right, Because right. we're not the star. Right. And you just got to understand you're not the star. But I would, maybe I couldn't do what he did because quite honestly, what he did, some, <laughs> I've done this with Michael and I've done this with Christopher Walken. I have acted with them. And as they're talking in my head, I'm going, really? That's how you're going to deliver the line? <laughs> really? That's your choice. <laughs> That's your choice. That's what you want to say and how you want to say it. All right. That's it. That's going on in my head. Right. And I would do that with Michael. And I, I was lucky enough to act with Christopher Walken. And I see them on screen and it takes your breath away. Yeah. Richard Kind, everybody. Kind is calling all flavor chasers. 
Hey, it's Zach here, and Kind has six new flavors for whatever you crave. Is it something sweet? Try the new seeds, fruit, and nuts bars with flavors like dark chocolate, raspberry, and pumpkin seed. They're made with sweet raspberries and cranberries. And the number one ingredient, seeds. And for something savory, Kind has you covered. Try their roasted nuts and jalapeno bars. Or grab the rosemary nuts and sea salt bars. Savory snacking has never been this delicious. I know your mouth is watering. I personally love the raspberry. Mmm, mmm, Donald. Let me tell you, I could eat 10 of those a day. Oh, really? Rosemary's mine. All six new bars are gluten-free and have at least five grams of protein. Kind always leads with nutrient-dense ingredients like nuts. Explore all the new flavors waiting for you, like strawberry sunflower seed, orange cranberry pumpkin seed, and paprika nuts and mesquite smoked sea salt. This is the bar for people who love real food. Try all the new flavors of Kind Seeds, Fruit and Nuts bars, and Kind Savory bars. Shop on Amazon today. Dearest listener, in a world where fashion oft neglects the true diversity of the human form, Snag emerges as the beacon of inclusivity we so desperately need, renowned for their exquisite tights. Snag has triumphantly expanded its offerings to include garments that embrace everybody. Snag's creations are meticulously designed on a lifelike figures and refined across a spectrum of shapes before gracing our wardrobes, clothing that not only promises but delivers true comfort and fit, particularly of note other chub rub shorts ingeniously crafted with a moisture wicking yarn to ensure you remain at least one degree cooler and entirely free from the dreaded chafing perfect for every season these shorts can be discreetly worn under your clothes offering a delightful alternative to traditional cycling shorts whether you are at the gym hiking or simply enjoying a day in a skirt or dress they are your ideal companion remember dear listener the more you snag the more you save with free shipping on select orders. Don't delay in experiencing the fashion revolution that is snag at snagtights.us. JLab Audio is personal tech designed for you that fits your life, looks cool, and offers surprisingly awesome value. Imagine the products and features you actually want and make sure the entire experience owning them is a great one. Always packing the most functionality and fun into every product at a truly accessible price. Zach, mm. let me tell you, JLab has these new luxury over-ear headphones called the JBuds Lux ANC. Yep. These seamlessly blend innovation and lab quality sound, all in these sleek headphones that guarantee an elevated listening experience. You can connect to multiple devices, customize your sound in the JLab app, and get over 70 hours of playtime. Well, buddy, those sound pretty cool, but have you heard of the JBuds ANC3? They are the smallest smart active noise canceling true wireless earbuds you can find. You can also connect to multiple devices, but these come with a built in USB C charging cable and a noise canceling microphone for crisp, clear phone calls. Use Real Friends for 25% off your order. Visit jlab.com to find your kind of tech. Hey there, it's Zach Braff here. I'm here to tell you about a new podcast, Car and Drivers Into Cars, a production of Car and Driver and iHeartMedia's Ruby Studio. Hosted by Eddie Alterman and Tony Quiroga, Into Cars is the ultimate podcast for car lovers. Whether you're in the market for a new set of wheels or just love the sound of a V8, Car and Drivers panel of editors and car experts test drive and review today's most compelling new rides. 
And the best part, you'll find no filter on Eddie and Tony. They review cars with the same blend of intelligence, independence, and irreverence that has made Car and Driver a trusted source for news and reviews since 1955. Car and Driver's Into Cars is brought to you by eBay Motors. All the parts you need at the prices you want. Guaranteed to fit your ride every time. Visit ebaymotors.com for more. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So jump in, buckle up, and listen to Car and drivers into cars available wherever you get your podcast. To conclude our episode, we're going to have uh, the most visited guest, the person without whom none of this would be possible. Obviously, I'm speaking of Mr. Bill Lawrence. Uh, I'm just going to let it sprinkle over you, surprise you as it were he's been on a lot but there was a particular moment i happen to love i think you guys will enjoy revisiting um it highlights the joy that is the friendship between bill and zach and donald and that's it that's our show so enjoy this lovely outro have a great couple days we will see you on thursday when daniel comes back to host oh my god i'm so excited daniel's doing his first clip show and he's going to tell us all about the beats behind your favorite rap recaps so join us on thursday we'll see you guys then have a great one bye so bill tell everyone what the very unique only once i believe in eight and a half or nine seasons did this occur uh tell everybody what occurred uh, so this is fascinating, man, because the, the, look, it's an, it's an old argument that's kind of gone away thanks to streaming, but what um, television, network television specifically considered appropriate with censors um, and with standards and practices was so weird, uh, especially, you know, the age-old argument was uh, violence, you know, versus uh, um, sexual content. You know, you could kill anybody on TV but don't have anybody, uh, you know, taking someone's shirt off or something like that. It was crazy. And this episode in particular drove me insane because um, it was before uh, medicinal marijuana was um, crazy, crazy widespread. And the episode was originally written that Elliot and Carla are trying to help a cancerous woman who is on the way out and uh, just having such a hard time with the pain and the discomfort, uh, it was them out and about trying to get her uh, marijuana because they knew medically that it would alleviate a, a shit ton of her symptoms. Mm. Um, and we handed that script in and said, you can't air this. You can't, unfortunately for you on NBC, even though it's um, for altruistic reasons, you can't have a physician and a nurse driving around trying to find someone they can buy pot off of. Now, wait, pause help. one moment there, Bill. As I recall, we be, uh, you handed it in, but we had begun shooting. You, We shot a, a, a scene or two of it, as I recall. Yeah, but, you know, that just makes me look like some – all right, so what Zach's story, one of the parts of Zach's story is Bill sometimes didn't hand in the script until after we started shooting. <laughs> oh, yeah, oh, yeah, but you did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, the subtext is Bill. Uh, well, you had the you had the power and clout to be able to do shit like that in the day, but and this was the one chance. This is the one opportunity where they were like, "Yeah, but no." <laughs> yeah, so say they said we wouldn't air it, and partly because it was an easy fix, and partly because I found it so hypocritical. I said, "All right, well, because we need this story to still work structurally, we'll just have the woman that's dying be a virgin." 
and we'll have Elliot and Carla go look for a man whore so she can get laid. And they're like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> oh <my gosh>. uh, <laughs> I love so that I, you were being was, facetious and they were like, all right, bet. All right, fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll do that. Uh, you know, so, like, so they can't go, even though it's proven by, you know, so many medical studies. And, and now, as you guys know, we use, um, uh, you know, different um, products, CBD, et cetera, for any pain. Yeah, but, but this was, this was, this was whatever, this was yeah, 18 but, years know, ago. But even back then, it was considered an amazing treatment for the side effects for chemo, you know, and yeah, for nausea, uh, for nausea and, and for all that stuff. So I'm, I'm like, doctors can't go get a patient that's dying marijuana but they can go to anywhere and get her a man whore so she can have sex in the hospital yeah that sounds funny and i'm like all right <laughs> but it is funny by the way it was really funny <laughs> it is funny by the way it's a very it's a very funny episode bill with a lot of memorable quotes including the first ever what has two thumbs and doesn't give a crap bob bob uh, by the way never ever and that's an old joke and the only reason that joke feels new is it has never, ever been delivered better than Ken Jun- Jenkins delivered. <laughs> uh, man, just – and by the way, you know its next version, its sequel, which you guys will get to, is what has two thumbs and still doesn't give a crap. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. And by the way, I, instead of Bob Kelso, how you doing, it's Bob Kelso, I thought we had met. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I had never heard this joke until this moment. Me until. Neither. Yeah, this was the first time. And I so I kind of got caught off guard when he was like, what has two thumbs and doesn't give a crap? I was like, what has two thumbs and doesn't give a crap? <laughs> and then when he goes, bam. <laughs> I laughed so hard. I, I don't think I've, yeah. To I, this so, day, you're absolutely day, right. Ken, so- has, Ken crushes it. Better than Dude. anybody has. It ever was hilarious. Done. It's hilarious, and I like Donald. I never, I didn't know it was a known joke. I thought you guys came up with it, but I thought it was fucking hilarious. He's an assassin when he just says things like they're real that way. Uh, it yeah. just kills me. Uh, my biggest memory of, and, and you guys can then drag through the different of this particular episode was um, I occasionally had times on Scrubs. I'm sure you guys did too. That I'd wander onto set. And I wouldn't be sure what we were doing, and then what was happening there would make me think that I was on hallucinogens or at have a moment like, how is, this, how is anybody letting us do this on television? Oh my and God, there's so many moments. Because I had a bunch of things going on in this episode and was working on other things too sometimes. And I, I strolled down into the apartment set, which was away from everywhere else. And I walked in and Tara <laughs> Reed was sitting on a throne of toilet paper and there were like a bunch of male models dancing around. And I'm like, what the hell is going on? What, yeah. How is this? This isn't something for national television, is it? Like, no, no, you guys, it's in the script. I know. Uh, there's some hilarious. That shit had shit me rolling. Tara oh Reid dancing, Tara, well, doing, there's the, two shimmy. There's two doing different, the shimmy. There's two different. There's two different Tara Reid. Uh, you're conflating two. There's one where she's in a room made of toilet paper, um, drinking a, a cocktail out of a toilet paper roll, and and then there's another where I'm sort of um, a studious, uh, a nerdy uh, guy uh, reading my book. And she's uh, filled the apartment with male strippers who are gyrating all over her. And she's and, shimmying. Yeah. <laughs> Throws her hair I think down. there's banana hammocks everywhere or something. Yeah. Right? There'll be banana hammocks everywhere. Why, Bill, why Why do JD and, and, and Turk have a rule about the guests bringing their own toilet paper? <laughs> uh, I think that that was. What was the uh, seed of that idea? That was loosely based on um, a story I told about my college roommate named Steve Mack, who whenever we went on spring breaks or on trips, 
every time he opened his backpack, there'd be toilet paper in there. And it just <laughs> always, by the way, it's like those people that bring their own pillow on trips and you think yeah. they're an idiot and then you sleep on the pillow. Yeah. And we used to give him shit, you know, like, oh, if you baby your ass, it'll baby you. Like we get, you know, we used to give him constant shit about it. But then you get to some ski resort or some shitty hotel and they would have like two ply sandpaper <laughs> hanging from a metal thing by the toilet. And Steve <laughs> Mack would be like, nobody touched my own toilet paper. <laughs> and I'm like, that's good. That should be a rule for uh, <laughs> bring your own toilet paper anywhere you go. That's funny. Yeah, I have a buddy that brings his own wipes wherever he goes. Not, it's not dumb, you know? No, I travel not. with a pillow now. I don't feel bad about it. I did my I first um, tra pillow travel this time to London, Bill, because I, I, I have fallen in love with a pillow. And you can go to the fanciest hotel or the cheapest motel and, and, and have bad pillows, and it sucks. Uh, you want to know another odd thing? And I did see this, I think, because I looked at, watched the episode last night, and I didn't want to do a Gabby, which is what it means when you have a Oh, my God. Yeah, don't I do told Gabby. Bill. I was like, Bill, you, you told us to bring a writer on, and the writer didn't watch the episode. The, uh, I love Gabby. They're so funny. That was she funny was episode. so funny, She dude. was great, but we'd love to give her shit about it. I know the uh, well, you know she doesn't. Uh, Don't worry, uh, she doesn't listen. She doesn't know we're shit talking here. Well, she is. By the way, this is on a Friday. She will not listen no matter what. The um, the other piece of trivia that I remembered about this particular episode was there's a joke about Elliot saying someone saw her orgasm face, and um, I remember getting shit the writers' room because we were pretty good about continuity, but uh, we contradicted ourselves with Elliot's sexual past. You uh, did a thousand you, times. You did. Scrubs Wiki is very upset about it. I will read you a direct quote from, uh, from yeah, the people Wiki. on TV without pity. We're not having it. Let me tell you something. Here we go. It says, um, when Elliot is talking to her patient, she talks about a time in high school when she had a quote orgasm mm -hmm. face yet in a previous episode, she told Carla that she has never had an orgasm. Elliot's romantic life is full of differing stories. Yeah, contradictions. We also, I think she said, once we said that she lost, uh, I think she lost her virginity in a crawl space. Um, <laughs> but maybe we can rationalize it by saying Elliot is just, just doesn't, I don't know. How can you rationalize it? You say she doesn't remember her or something. And, and I think that she also, we also said, I think one time she lost her virginity with a guy that lost his arm to a bear. If you remember that. <laughs> no, by the way, yeah, by the way, she's so, so funny in this episode. She was just uh, like let loose on this episode. I mean, yeah, both, both your stuff. both the writing for her and her whole just way of being there, was just fucking on like level ten. This episode. there were some uncomfortable moments though in this episode for what, me. Well, when you one, saw her O face, no, that one Randall jumping out of the closet and Krista and Johnny C being on the bed <laughs> in leather. That, that kind of fucked me up. I that was, was like, amazing. What? And do you and remember both, who's in the gym costume? And, 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 do you remember and, and, who's now, in the gym costume? You, oh, was it Randall? I mean, no, wait, no, wait. It's Franklin, Franklin got better. Our yeah. second AD. Yeah. Uh, let, wait, hold up. This time, no. Krista was oiled up too. They both put the oil on because yeah, they're both yeah, shiny. Yeah. They, were, they were doing some Pulp Fiction gimp stuff. It was very weird. <laughs> I man. can't imagine Krista reading that and being like, "Okay, Bill. Okay." <laughs> <laughs> uh, by the way, I just laid low and tried to avoid it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Here's some stories about a show we made about a bunch of docs and nurses and a janitor who loved to hate. I said, Here's a story.
Dearest listener, allow me to unveil a delightful secret. Snag Tights Craft Clothing that embraces every body shape. In a bold endeavor to revolutionize the fashion realm, Snag has triumphed. Permit me to draw your attention to the ingenious Chub Rub Shorts, crafted with moisture-wicking yarn, promising to keep you at least one degree cooler and utterly free from the discomfort of chafing. Free shipping on select orders. Thus, the more you snag, the more you save. Do not delay. Dear listener, experience the fashion revolution that is snag and visit snagtights.us today. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible. It's simple to use and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. You can learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. The following is a high-five moment from HighFiveCasino.com. I won! Yahoo! Private, put down your phone. This is the army. Sort. High Five Casino is a social casino. It's on your phone. goes wherever you go. I win free spins, cash, prizes, free daily rewards, over 1,200 games. I won again. Platoon, present cell phone. High Five. High Five. Casino. Casino. Win at HighFiveCasino.com. High Five Casino is a social casino. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited. Play responsibly. Conditions apply. See website for details. High Five Casino. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com.